Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all, it's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Isn't it amazing that she has breath to sing that song? Because I was like trying hard to keep up with that, Miss Paula. So good job, good job. All right, welcome. It is New Year's Eve. Happy, blessed New Year's Eve, everyone. Can you believe that? Oh, my goodness. Time just goes way, way too quick. I just celebrated um, Andrew's birthday yesterday. My baby, my baby is 22 years old. And I was like, Oh, anyway, anyway, <laughs> welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to see all of you. Um, we need to pray for our pastor today. He is not feeling well. That's why he's not here this morning, but he just, you know, sends his love, right? And um, is also glad that you made it to church this morning. And um, we are just going to just welcome the Holy Spirit this morning. Welcome just everything that he has for us. So let's just pray and then we can continue with our worship. Dear Lord, just thank you. Thank you for this new day that you've given us. Thank you that you woke us up with a purpose, with a plan, Lord God, because you love us. You're not done with us yet, Lord Jesus. So help us to remember that every day is a gift and we need to open it up, Lord God, just to see what you have for us for that day. Let us be open, Lord Jesus, to, to everything, Lord God. You wanna bless us, you wanna help us, you wanna guide us, you wanna lead us. So even as we go about this morning's service, Fill us afresh with everything that you have for us, Lord God. Thank you that we have the freedom to worship you this morning, Lord. Help us to raise our hands, raise our voices in praise this morning. And thank you, God, as the word is brought forth from Pastor Holt. Thank you, God, that he was able to come and bless us this morning. I pray that you would just fill him afresh as he gives the word to us. Your living word, Lord God. Just thank you for all things. We love you, we praise you, and we give everything over to you because you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said, amen. amen, amen. I've been around for a few years, and I've seen different ministers in different churches, believe you me, 
and not everybody has a heart like Paul and Brian. I'm just saying it. He didn't pay me to say it. You didn't pay me. But it's true. And so I hope you really appreciate their ministry here, their faithfulness over many, was it 24 years? 22 years. Wow, it's like time flies by. And um, faithful, consistent ministry. And this church is such a blessing. We were blessed on Christmas Eve uh, to be here with you guys. And I said, go over to the house. Um, I was just really disappointed that our team lost. Stephen, some of those questions were like, how many of you were over at the house after the service? And I, I don't know what some of those people celebrate, what their special foods are. And like, I mean, I know in Lebanon, it's Lebanon blown. That's like, you know, uh, that wasn't one of the questions. But we, we had so much fun laughing and going, oh, can't believe we got the wrong answer. But um, it's always great to fellowship. It's great to be. And, and listen, this morning you've already heard two sermons. I don't even really have to preach. You heard the sermon in worship. As we worship God, God speaks through all that. Amen. Because if he didn't, why would we do it? Just for something to do? No, you open your heart. God speaks to us. And um, thank you to all you that are part of the worship team here. And then with Loretta praying, I mean, that, that was a sermon right there. I mean, God's speaking to us. So I'm just kind of like the last on the menu, as it were. You know, like, I don't know. I'm the strawberry cheesecake or whatever. Uh, hope, hopefully it's nutritious and it's good. But... Um, when, uh, when I got the text from Loretta yesterday, Linda and I were up in the Dutch country, and we were at a uh, dinner theater of the Christmas Carol. And uh, if you know anything about the Christmas Carol, you probably have watched it a few times this year. And uh, I think I looked it up again. 1843, Charles Dickens wrote the first edition of the Christmas Carol. How many of you ever watched the Christmas Carol? How many names Scrooge? Bah humbug. Okay, that's the Christmas carol. And uh, we were having a live production. There was about 20 of us from the other first AG in Carney's Point that were up there. And uh, every time we watch that or watch similar things, I'm reminded of how God changes people. No matter how old you are, no matter how set in your ways you've been, if you surrender to Jesus, he can change you. Anything is possible. We sang it, right? And it is, because we watch lives change. Um, so just want to encourage you with that, no matter what you're dealing with in your life, or you're looking at someone else and saying, oh, that person, they'll, they'll never change. Duh, don't say never, because God is in it, and God can change people. In your bulletin, um, I was allowed to make some copies this morning, and uh, in there is a copy of who I am in Christ. And you know, when you come to New Year's, it's the kind of time that people are always making, um, they're making commitments and saying, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and the other thing. And um, I find if I can't make, if I don't know who I am in Christ, my commitment's going to be pretty empty. It's not going to really mean much because if I don't know who I am in Christ and I'm not solid in my faith in him, then my commitments don't mean anything. So whatever promises you're making, understand that God wants you to know who you are in him. And there's a whole bunch of scriptures there you can look at uh, through the Bible that talk about that. And then we're going to talk about a man who was changed. And we're going to talk about some other good things this morning. But uh, when it comes to promises that you make, why don't you have like the faith of a child? So since it's Christmas time and all that, here's a little story. I don't know if it was true, but it sounds true. So <clears throat> pastor went outside his church. 
and he was looking at the nativity set that they had. And I, you have one right out here, right? And very nice because it's nice to see those displays. I, I get so tired of seeing season's greetings, holiday greetings. The saints going into little towns, you can't even have the word Christmas anymore because that word Christ, right? It's offensive to people. Yeah, but it's the only name through which we have salvation. So anyway, pastor's outside checking on his nativity set, looking around, everything looks good. And he looks in the manger and knows that the little baby Jesus is missing. He's like, huh, I wonder who was done that. He looked way down the street and he saw a little boy with a little red wagon. And he said, I wonder if that little boy snatched Jesus out of the manger. So he went down and he said, hi, son, how you doing? He said, I'm just doing good, Reverend. How are you? He said, I'm good. And he looks in his wagon and sure enough, there's the little baby Jesus from the manger. And he said, son, did you... Um, did you take that little baby Jesus from in front of our church from the nativity set? He said, oh, yes, yes, pastor, I did. But he said, let me tell you. He said, I prayed, and I asked Jesus if he would give me a little red wagon for Christmas. And I told him if he did, I'd take him for a ride in it. Isn't that a cute little story? Now, I can picture that actually happening. And I thought, the Bible says we, we need to have faith as a child. Or we can't enter into the kingdom. We can't just enter with all this, oh, I've got to figure everything out. You'll never figure it all out. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you this morning, when you got in your car, did you sit there before you turned the key saying, if I can't figure out every detail of the engine and transmission, how this thing runs, I'm not starting this car? How many of you did that? If you, if you raise your hand, I'm going to say, no, you didn't. <laughs> not, not a person raised your hand. You just turned the key? And it's, now, if it didn't start, you're like, oh, I got to call AAA or I got to call for help, the battery's dead or whatever. You turned the key and started it. Most of us don't have a clue of all the things that are part of an engine transmission, unless you're a professional mechanic, okay? So we come as a little child, and I would say to you, have that kind of faith. Lord, I'm praying for something, and if you answer that prayer, here's what I'm going to do. That's what the little boy did. It was just pretty simple, I think, to understand. And, um, and then do it. Make, make promises. God answers, do it. And God shows himself in so many ways. We're going to look at that this morning. Um, but there's a, a thought I want to leave with you from uh, Harold Hill. And I don't know if anyone ever read How to Live Like a King's Kid. Anyone? Harold Hill, does that name ring a bell? No, nah, different one. <laughs> different guy, but maybe related. Harold Hill goes back to getting saved during the time of the Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship and the a glow, the women's fellowship, and so forth. And um, his testimony is really, really cool because um, he was the kind of person that had it all. And look, we think that sometimes those people are hard to reach, but all the people that say they have it all don't have Jesus, they really have nothing. Harold Hill rose up through the ranks. He had his own company, smart guys, uh, engineer, could figure problems out and everything, but he was empty inside. And when you read this book, he talks about how he was so caustic with his words. He would use words to tear people apart. You probably know people like that. They couldn't give you a compliment if they tried, but they can rip you apart and say nasty words and curse and swear and everything under the sun. And uh, he was also an alcoholic, a rich man, but inside empty, so you fill it with alcohol, drugs, and all that kind of good stuff. So he had been witnessed to by a number of, number of times. And by the way, when... Uh, Loretta talked about who's your one. Don't, don't stop witnessing to people. He had a friend, Ed, who kept witnessing to him, but he didn't want to hear it. 
But inside, he was, he was dying, okay? He was lost away from God. And um, I, I want to say to you that you might be surprised that this year, some people you have prayed for, you witnessed to may come to Jesus. So look at yourself in the mirror. Do you remember yourself before you were a believer? Think of the people that God put in your life. My wife and I have sat and talked at times of the people that God put in our lives as we were growing up. Because there's no perfect home. Stuff happens even in homes where people go to church. But God placed people in our lives. He gave us godly Sunday school teachers. He gave us godly youth directors, leaders. WMs, a missionettes for girls and Royal Rangers for boys. He gave us godly ministers. He put people around us to help us grow in the Lord and a, and a great model for us. Um, I want to be like some of those people that help me. How about you? I want to shine the light. Now, on Christmas Eve night, Pastor Brian had his spotlight. And I'm going to tell you what. When I shot a deer out here and I missed it, well, I hit it, but I didn't bring it down, I see this bright light. I'm like, like a helicopter shining this light. Where's that light coming from? That was Pastor Brian. Same spotlight he used on Christmas Eve when he was doing the sermon about being a light. I mean, that thing's incredible. And then he, he surprised me. He got one for my Christmas gift. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Now I can at least see where the deer is going. If I missed it, it's like I can see down to the hospital from here, I think, with that light. Incredible. But being the light, and uh, the light shines in darkness. The darkness can't comprehend, understand. The darkness can't put it out. Um, we had that candlelight time where we lit the candles. Um, don't ever forget the thing. But don't, don't forget the people God pushed, put in your life over the years to help you come to know Christ and they modeled Jesus to you. It could have been a family member. could have been someone within your church, whatever. So Harold Hill had a guy by the name of Ed that was constantly witnessing and praying for him. And uh, I, I got to read some of this story because it's just so great. Um, it's entitled, How to Get Out of Quick Mud. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been caught in quicksand. Hopefully not. But if you have, you have a story to tell. And I've been reading some stuff about it, even this morning again, about people caught in quicksand, quick mud, whatever you want to call it. Um, he said, when Ed used to talk to me, I always used to object. And I'd say, but what about the Hindus? And what about the Buddhists? And what about... But that night... And for those of you listening online or here, God interrupted saying, forget about them. What about you? I always like to think about, what about you? Are you right with God? God will take care of all them. And, asked, and, and then asked me, how about it? Do you want Jesus or don't you on his terms without quibbling? I was miserable enough to say yes. And near as I can remember, I prayed something like this. Lord Jesus, if you're really here, and my friend, my friend Ed seems to think so, please make yourself real to me right now. It wasn't much of an invitation, but it was all the invitation he needed. I felt as if he had opened me up, moved inside of me, zippered me back around him, and turned me on, installing perfect peace and washing out 48 years of filth. The Bible talks about in Christ your new creation. The old is past, all things come new. He made me know that I was right with God forever, and my record was gone. All my sins were as far away from me as the east from the west, that he had buried them in a sea of forgetfulness, and in heaven the seas would be no more. And that's how all gone my sins were. All the muck that had been threatening to swallow me forever, I was forgiven. Then he tells this great story. As a boy growing up the country, I used to do a lot of exploring with my brother. And for those of you growing up in South Jersey, there's a lot of open land explorers. There's trees, there's fields, there's rivers, all kind of stuff. It's great. And he said, there was one particular marsh Everybody warned us to stay away from it. It had quick mud. 
A peculiar kind of mud that instead of resisting the movement of a body through it, tends to draw the body to the bottom. If you fall into quick mud and there's nobody to help you, you'll go right down out of sight at a rate of about one inch per minute. So he said, you know how kids are. When you tell them no, no, oh, we got to do that. When mom and dad aren't looking, then they discover why you told them no, no. So he said, naturally, because it was a no, no, my brother and I were honor bound to explore the marshes. We were out hopping the bogs one day when I slipped into the mud and began to sink. I was about 40 inches long, and that meant in about 40, in 40 minutes I'd be suffocated, choked to death by the quick mud. All of me that would be left would be a little dimple on the surface of the sticky black goo. I was scared to death, too terrified even to cry. And he says, and here recently the Lord brought forcefully to my mind all the religions, all the philosophies, and the cults in which I'd been involved in my pagan days and showed me what they had to offer when I was sinking in the filthy black muck which represented the sin in my life. I don't care if you're here this morning or listening, if you're apart from Jesus, you're in the filthy black muck. Walking away from God always leads to a pig pen. And we have the story of the prodigal son. Name your pig pen. It may seem good for a while. And the prodigal son had it made. Yeah, as long as he had money, he had friends, he could buy the booze, they could party, they could do. When the money was gone, isn't it interesting? His friends were gone. A Jewish boy feeding pigs, not kosher, right? That's where he ended up. Until he came to his senses. Sin makes you stupid, by the way. It said he came to his senses. So I'm going back to the father's house. So he said, God was showing me all this stuff in my life, the filthy black muck. Confucius said, it's better to stay away from such places, young man. And having delivered that wonderful advice, he went on his way and left me to sink. Buddha said, let that be a lesson to you, boy. And I sank down further. I'd been a Buddhist. I knew these things were supposed to be lessons. So when I reincarnated the next time around, I might have a better trip. Muhammad sighed and said, it is the will of Allah, and I sank deeper. Christian science said, it's only an error in your thinking. You're not really in trouble. You're just thinking wrong. He said, I'd been a Christian scientist, but right thinking hadn't cured my alcoholism, so I sank another inch. I didn't have many inches to spare. The Hindu told me, better trip next incarnation. You got a bum trip coming as a flea this time. You might come as a fly next go around. By the way, this man was immersed in all of these things before he came to Christ. The filthy black ooze sucked me deeper. The evolutionist told me, all you need is more time. Time cures everything, my boy. But I was worse off with every passing minute. Yoga told me, transcend your problem. I tried. I sat and I contemplated so long, I got bored with the whole thing and wished a daisy would grow out of my navel just to relieve the monotony. Now my navel had sunk out of sight. I'd never see it again. Unity had said, all you need is to realize more love. But how are you going to love yourself out of a swamp of quick mud? A fortune, told her, a fortune teller told me, consult the zodiac. The stars have the answer. But the stars weren't shining that day. So I sank deeper. Darwin said, it's the survival of the fittest. If you're fit, you'll survive. That's what I was afraid of, sinking another inch. I proved my unfitness for anything except being buried alive. And Aristotle smiled and said, my boy, just know yourself. That was the trouble. He said, I knew myself, headed for the bottom of the mud pile. Plato said, truth is the answer. Just seek the truth. But he wasn't talking about tangible truth, a living truth. And truth in his terms meant that I was about to be annihilated. 
So Ori Aster said, use your willpower. But I'd used mine all up and it had availed me nothing. I was about finished. A head shrinker, a psychiatrist said, don't feel guilty. All you need to do is go out and do some more sin. But I was in such bondage, there was no way to go out anywhere or do anything. I had tried spiritual frontiers, new thought, moral rearmament, Edgar Cayce, and all the rest. None of them helped at all. I sank deeper and deeper until I was almost totally lost. There was no religion, no philosophy that I had not looked into. All claiming to be different, they were all the same, worthless, leaving me in my miserable, empty, inane, dreary, drab, stinking corpsehood. What a description of life apart from Jesus by a man who was there. But then Jesus came by. And Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the only way. Just give me your hand. I didn't argue. What about the others? I just gave him my hand, and he gave me his. He hauled me out of that filthy black mud and set my feet on solid rock and washed the mud away. How many know what I'm talking about? What he experienced, some of you experienced, if you haven't, today's your day. Going into New Year's is going to change anything unless there's a new you. And if there's a new you every day because you've been renewed by the Spirit of God, he'll help you face everything and you'll make right choices with your life. Otherwise, you just turn the digits and another calendar and so what? Going up to see the ball drop in New York isn't going to change a thing. It's only be when you ask Christ to be in charge of your life daily. No, it wasn't exactly Jesus himself who physically took me from the mud that day when I was a little boy, so nearly gone. But somehow, at the very last minute, when I was holding my breath because I sensed my next breath would be my last one, he sent two strangers through the woods to pull me to safety. I never learned the names of the strangers. I hadn't seen them before, and I haven't seen them since. But I wouldn't be surprised if the men who got me out were two angels sent to deliver God's elect because I had a Christian mother who had signed me to Jesus even before I was born. On the day when I met him in person, the day he pulled me out of the black muck of sin and washed me clean, I was no longer a little boy exploring the marsh with my brother. I was a grown man embarking on the greatest adventure any of my life could ever have, learning to live like a king's kid. And every chapter he shares about what God did in his life. He's the one to pull you out. So now, you all got a hymn book in front of you? And we sang some hymns this morning. Just as we trust Jesus and others. So turn 476. My heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown. And low in the pit where my sins dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay. Who tenderly brought me out to golden day. 476. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. He placed me upon the strong rock by his side. My steps were established, and here I'll abide. No danger of falling while here I remain, but stand by his grace until the crown I gain. He gave me a song. T'was a new song of praise. By day and by night, his sweet notes I will raise. My heart's overflowing. I'm happy and free. I'll praise my Redeemer who has rescued me. I'll sing of his wonderful mercy to me. I'll praise him till all men his goodness shall see. I'll sing of salvation at home and abroad till many shall hear the truth and trust in God. I'll tell of the pit 
That's what he did in this little story. I'll tell of the pit with its gloom and despair, and I'll praise the dear Father who answered my prayer. I'll sing my new song, the glad story of love, then join in the chorus with the saints above. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. And what God did for Harold Hill, he does all the time for people who surrender to Jesus. He doesn't just walk by and give you some great words, quote, of wisdom. He takes your hand. How many know what I'm talking about? Because you know that's what happened the day you said yes to Jesus. You came to him as you were, and he took you just as you were, pulled you out of the muck, and began to clean you up. See, you and I were not designed for all the muck and garbage of the world. We were designed to have life and have it more abundantly. Sin enters the picture and changes things. When we come to Jesus, he becomes that good shepherd who says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. The thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. So let me give you another little story about Christmas. Every year, for many years, I've taken a trip out to Titusville, which is at the, all the other end of the state of Pennsylvania. It's up toward Erie. And anybody remember history? I think I mentioned this before about Titusville. What happened in Titusville many years ago that changed history? This is a, one of these questions, Stephen, that if everyone gets it right, we're going to send them a one-way trip to Bermuda. <laughs> not, not really. Edwin Drake, the first oil well drilled in America, was Titusville, Pennsylvania. Town about 7,000 people. I think it was 1858. Changed everything, didn't it? Go, go look at your car, oil, gas. There's, I think there's like five or 600 things that have oil as one of the ingredients in it. But anyhow, so we go hunting out there. We have good Christian friends. They love the Lord. We love being there. We have a good time. Always come back with some food, uh, venison, some speed beef, and it's great. Uh, so that's one of the reasons your pastor and I get along good together. We love to hunt and, and talk and all that kind of stuff. So my, my nephew, every year when he would go out for years, because he lived in Reading, Pennsylvania, He'd buy a Christmas tree out there and bring it back because it was cheaper. So, you know, you tie it up, get on the roof of your car, and he's on his way back home. And he's getting hungry, so he pulls off the road to get a bite to eat. And he noticed how messy his vehicle was from all the mud and stuff. So he figured, well, you know, I'll just go through the drive-thru, and I'll get a wash and wax. So he did. Went through. He said, I pushed every button. Got back on the road. And as I'm driving, did you ever have something happen to you later where a thought comes to you and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just did that. Did that ever happen to you? Of course it did. A few minutes happened to you. He's driving and he says, oh my goodness, I'm remembering the Christmas trees on top of the vehicle. And I just went through the <laughs> car wash. Wash and wax. The whole nine yards, right? He said, the only one that was with me in the car was my dog. And he pledged secrecy that he wasn't going to tell anybody what had happened. So he said, I get home and take the tree out. And his wife's all about how the tree looks. You know, some of you are like, they're like, oh, you don't want the Charlie Brown tree. Because that's like, Ugh. oh, why'd you pick this one? It's no, we're going to put that side against the wall. You won't see the missing one. You know what it goes. So he gets the tree all set up. And his wife's looking at it. And she says, Aaron. She says, wow, th this tree has a special glow to it. <laughs> he says, yeah, hon, I really picked a good one this year. She said, it's a little wet. He said, yeah, I ran into some water. 
He said, I didn't tell anything to her. I'm just keeping it quiet. Because she's happy, because it's sparkly and looks really good. The problem was, Christmas trees aren't meant to be washed and waxed. Okay? Three days later, the needles started to fall off the tree. And she said, Aaron, what is happening to our tree? And then he had to tell her the story. He had to fess up what he did. And they all laughed about it, and I guess cleaned up the needles, took the tree out. He probably will never let that happen again. I thought about that story and thought, just like that tree wasn't designed for wash and wax, we're not designed for sin. Sin will destroy you. You might look good for a while. Hey, that guy's really sailing high, man. He does everything under the sun, gets away. Mm-hmm. Right now, soon the needles are going to start to fall off. I've lived long enough to watch people's lives. I know the only way to live that makes any sense forever is to follow Jesus. You want to be a winner forever? You're going to follow Jesus. And I thought of this, uh, this story of Harold Hill, and then I thought about how God sent angels to rescue him when he was lost in the pit. And um, for the next few minutes, how much time do we have anyway? Oh, we got two hours? <laughs> we're going to have a watch night service right after this. We're going to stay right through. We're going to have lunch, go right through midnight. How many remember the watch night services? New Year's Eve. We'd come to church around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. We'd sing songs. We'd fellowship, pray around the altar. And we stay until after midnight in the new year. But great year to bring it in, way to bring it in. So we don't do that as much anymore because some of us will be falling asleep at 10 o'clock. But anyhow, um, in your home, if you're awake, thank God for his faithfulness in 2023. And as we see 2024, he'll be with us the same as he was before. In all the years past, he'll be with us again. But think about that thing of angels. And um, since it's still the, the Christmas time, I, I love the story of, of scripture and all about the, the different things that are part of that story. And um, who can get to help me? There's a young man right here. I know this man's a good man. He's a Steeler fan. And oh my goodness. Just can't put them Steelers down, can we? And you get some help with that if you want. But um, I'm giving you a little flyer. Please don't read it while I'm preaching. If you do, I'll call you out. No, I won't. I'll just. But it's out of my study Bible, and it's just a little sketch of angels throughout scripture and if you haven't read any good books i recommend a great book by um billy graham on angels there's plenty of books that have been written um on god's messengers his divine messengers the ones who remain faithful god's divine messengers there are those that fell who are the demons of hell itself who come to try and cause destruction praise god for those who are faithful and god uses as his messengers okay and if you looked into your hymn book that I had right here, I'm going to guarantee, I went through a hymn book, Assembly God hymn book. Songs with angels in them, okay? I'll come all you faithful. Angels we have heard on high, of course. Angels from the realms of glory. Hark the herald angels sing. O holy night, the first Noel. Silent night. Uh, our day of joy is here. How great our joy. Um, break forth, O beauteous heavenly light. Probably haven't sung that one lately. Anybody? Oh, break forth, heavenly, beauteous light. It's like, what is that? Yeah, that's in the book. The birthday of a king, a little town of Bethlehem. Christ the child is Lord of all. I came upon him in clear. While shepherds watch their flocks, thou didst leave thy throne. There's a song, Child in the Manger. All these songs and more have angels in them. Because angels are part of the story, right? They didn't make this stuff up. We're not talking about, we're not talking about the figurines that we have in shops and angels with the wings and the little children we dress up and put a white thing on a little round hanger, make a halo. Those things are all great. We're talking about God's messengers that he uses for good and, and evil. When I say evil in the sense of 
wiping out enemies. We, they say that was evil. We say that's, that's good, right? It's all good. God sends his angel and wipes out 185,000 uh, Assyrians, I think. But anyway, in the Christmas story, we see angels constantly. So God is saying, I am with you, and I will make myself real to you in many ways. And as we've heard earlier in this service, God's faithful. And he knows where you and I are, and he knows what we need, and he will help us on this journey. I probably told this story before, but since it's uh, part of the angel story here, What Child Is This Who Laid to Rest? is one of those uh, songs that has angels in it. I was uh, conducting a wedding in August at our church when we pastored in Malaga. And if you've heard the story before, bear with me if you didn't. Uh, hopefully it'll stick with you because it's one I'll never forget. And uh, a couple wanted to get married and I agreed to the wedding and there was nobody to work the sound system back in the back of the church. So a gal in the church gave me a tape. And this was back in the day when the big boom boxes. How many remember cassette tapes? Yeah. All right, I didn't see all your hands. How many remember CDs, uh, DVDs? I mean, this stuff is all like past history now, isn't it? Just VCRs? Anybody for VCRs? Eight-track tapes? All right. Oh, wow. Got a great mix. So I got the boombox sitting up here on the side of the platform. I put the tape in like 15 minutes before the service was supposed to start. The problem was the service didn't start on, the wedding didn't start on time. Ever been to a wedding that didn't start on time? Stuff happens when weddings don't start on time, is all I'm saying. I've done a few. But anyway, this was before the day of cell phones. So I'm standing in the foyer of the church with the groom-to-be, and like 1 o'clock, now it's like 1.05, now it's like 1.10. The wedding was supposed to start at 1 o'clock. There are supposedly some people still coming from the family. We have no way of knowing if they are or not, where they are, if they're lost, they broke down, there's no cell phones. And I said, people are getting a little restless. What do you want to do here? And as I'm talking to him, I hear the music change from this nice wedding music to... What child is this who laid, and I'm making this up, who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping. And I'm like, oh boy. That wasn't the worst part of it, because when that song ended, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw him, you'd even say close. Now I knew I had to go up and turn the music off. I couldn't turn it off from the back, which was, you know, when we click a little remote, had to walk up here, click it, turn around, smile, and wave at everybody. And then after that, we started the wedding. I don't know if those folks ever made it or not. <laughs> all I'm saying was stuff, ha- stuff happens when things go late. That's all I'm saying. And that was one of those memories we'll never forget. Angels. Okay? So let's talk a little about some of the angels that um, we see in, uh, in Scripture here in this Christmas story. And I'll just direct you to Luke chapter 1. I may not read all of these verses that are part of each passage for sake of time. But... Um, I know that many of you here have read these passages, and you have read through the Christmas story many times. You have acted out in church performances and so forth. But in um, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25, is a very interesting story. So let me just read quickly. In the time of Herod, Luke chapter 1, 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. So we see their character in a couple of words there. People that love God. 
But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And in that period of time, if you couldn't give a son to your husband to carry on the family line, it was kind of like a curse, and people talked about you and Elizabeth. Yeah. And sometimes there must be some sin in her life. You know how people talk? Blah, 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 blah. Don't know what they're talking about, but talk. And so she was barren, and it says they were both well along in years. It's a nice way of taking the King James Version, which says they were well stricken in years. Now, if I walked up to one of you this morning that's older than me, and I said, well, you're looking good for being well stricken in years. you be like, Really? Well, you look good, too, for being well-stricken in years. Um, probably wouldn't say that. Wouldn't be the best thing to say. Um, they were both well along in years. Most people feel they were between the ages of 60 to 70. So let me ask the question here to the women. How many of you women in the bracket of 60 to 70 would have liked to be told that you're pregnant? My wife went, oh. How about 50, even 50 to 60? I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, so picture this. This is like an impossible thing, right? Nothing is impossible with God, or is it? Do we sing about that? Huh? So, Zachariah's the vision. He's a priest. He's on duty, serving, the pre- serving as a priest before God. Verse 9, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, going to the temple of the Lord and burning incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. You can picture his wife was one of them, praying outside. 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. Just what was it Loretta said about? Almost every time an angel appears, does fear not? But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you're to give him the name John which uh, means God is gracious. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth, and many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. And my wife is stricken or well alone in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Can you imagine this now? He comes out of there. He can't speak. He got at least nine months of no speaking. Some women would say, yay! Of course, a married man, if his wife had to happen, she, he'd probably say, yay! They didn't have whiteboards. They could just, and they could erase it. They would write like in clay tablets or wax or whatever. Right? That's communicating a lot. So he's going to be mute, can't speak. I call this, you got to be kidding me, Angel Gabriel. I give these titles. I just make them up. Because picture here, like, right, we're going to have a kid. We're both well-stricken in years. Really? Why don't you come to us when we were at least our maybe 30s? Or 20s even better yet, right? We could have grown up with our child. We'd have energy yet. We wouldn't be the age of grandparents already. What? No, I know. (laughs) But picture the scene. You've got to be kidding me. 
you ever have God say something to you and you say, I, you got to be kidding me, God? If God's in it, he's going to bring it to pass. Nine months later, John the Baptist is born. God says things, he makes promises, and he keeps them. Be listening for God today as you enter a new year, should the Lord give us a new year. And maybe the, you've got to be kidding me, angel Gabriel is going to show up at your door. He's going to tell you something. Will you believe him? Maybe he has to silence you for a while. I'm just saying, it's all here in Scripture. But whatever, listen to him. And then um, I, tur I turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And um, this is the Gabriel baby Messiah announcement angel. Same angel, Gabriel, announcing again one of these surprising things to Mary that she's going to give birth as a virgin. So without reading the whole story, let me ask you how you would feel about that, ma'am. If you were 16 or 18, they said she was quite young. You were engaged, which is almost like a marriage. They didn't just make an engage, have an engagement, and then, you know, after a period of time, well, we, we broke up. If you would. No, this was serious stuff in the Jewish culture. So, so they're like, they're, they're going to be married, but they're not married. They've had no sexual relations. And now she's been told by an angel, you're going to be pregnant. In fact, you're going to get birth to the Messiah. And that's good news, isn't it? Good news, but all the stuff she's going to deal with? Guess what? Mary's pregnant. She said an angel showed up. Can you believe that story? What people will do to get out of their trouble, huh? Are you with me? They didn't have phones, but the word got around. She, as a young lady, had to deal with all that stuff from whoever was talking to her, as well as Joseph when she told him the story of what was going to happen. But God, again, says things, and he follows through on them because she does give birth, and we know she gives birth to Jesus, our Messiah, without having any sexual relations with Joseph or any other man, which Joseph obviously accused her of. So you're engaged. You're going to get married next year. Your girlfriend says, I'm pregnant. But I haven't been with anybody, Joseph. Right. We've heard those lines before. Just magically. Yeah, it was God. He spoke to me by his spirit. An angel came and said, this is what's going to happen. Are you with me? If God comes to you and says something to you, and other people don't get it, you stick with what God said to you, because God will bring it to pass. And everyone will see it was God's hand, regardless of what they might have said. And then they got to ask for forgiveness and work it all out. God spoke it, it came to pass. The angel, Gabriel, the Messiah announcement angel. How about Matthew 1, 18 to 25? I, I love how God takes care of problems that come that we didn't plan. Do you think Joseph planned that his girlfriend was going to say, I'm pregnant? Do you think he planned that? How many of you men, when you were engaged to be married and then got married, would have Wanted to hear your girlfriend say, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. You're like, really? You know, it's not me. Who you've been with? <laughs> right? Let's face it. Not a, not a... So Joseph, being a godly man, and we read this story in Matthew 1, 18. We'll start. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. 
because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I call this angel the course correction angel. After he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Wow. Have you ever needed a course correction in your life? You were determined to make a choice. You felt you had prayed through. You might have even fasted. Felt you prayed through. And God said, no, nah, you're, you're off course. And then an angel shows up. That got your attention? It would get my attention. It got Joseph's attention because Joseph believed what the angel said about what Mary had told him, and he made a course correction in his life. Now, any of you that fly, and I'm not one of them, but I've heard stories, heard even planes that have strayed and have got shot down in enemy territory. You can be off the bubble, like just a one degree, keep going that track. In fact, um, a course direction of only three degrees of change equals a half inch change after one foot. However, after one mile, it's a half mile. And after 500 miles, it's a 250 mile change. You see how much you can get off track just starting with a little thing? And then planes end up, you read the stories, they were in enemy territory. Somehow the meter, the, the, the gauges were off or they weren't watching or whatever. Uh, so, you ever know anyone who got off course as a believer? They felt something that God had said to them, but it really didn't match biblically. Aren't you glad when God speaks and he makes a course correction in your life and you listen to him? Will he send an angel in your life or he sent a Sunday school teacher or a minister or a deacon or a godly person in church that had lived for Jesus and they said, you know, I've been praying and God's speaking to me and here's what he told me to tell you. Has that ever happened to you? Praise God when he speaks through people or an angel shows up to bring us a course correction. Joseph was saved a whole lot of trouble and so was Mary because a course correction angel showed up and said, this is what you need to do, Joe. And he did it. Well, um, in Luke chapter 2, I love Luke chapter 2's story of the shepherds. And um, I call this angel the I will scare silly these shepherds angel. I will scare silly. And um, if you look up scared silly, it means extremely shocked or frightened. So they're out there taking care of the sheep as usual, and all of a sudden this angel shows up. And then a whole multitude of angels show up. Would you be scared? These are hardened guys. I mean, they're terribly afraid. The Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, it says in verse 9 of Luke chapter 2. Terrified. Again, the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring good news of great joy. And he tells them where to go and look for his babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Interesting, if you do a study on your own, and I was, I was reading this, how do the angels know where to go? How where do shepherds know where to go? A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Think about this. Bethlehem is jammed. There's no vacancies. Everything is full. Can you imagine these shepherds that stink like sheep? Anybody ever been around sheep? Dolores, I know you have. We had some sheep when we were kids. You go to school, and you thought you had the smell of wool off your head. Like, hope no one gets too close to me. I washed and everything, but you know, it's like... There's something about sheep. But anyway, 
Are they going to go knocking on doors of all the inns and all the homes? Do you happen to have a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in here? Is there, in your, in your stable, is there a manger where there's a baby laying? We think that somehow they were just clues. There was no star that led them to where the baby was. There was no angel guiding them. They were told you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And I read on this, and I thought, this is really awesome what God does. But these shepherds were not just simple shepherds. They were shepherd priests. Bethlehem is near Jerusalem. These shepherds were responsible for getting sheep prepared for sacrifice that had to be spotless and blameless, presenting the picture of Christ who would come later. John the Baptist would say, behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. There was a special location, the Tower of Migdal, if I'm remembering the name correctly, and it's an Old Testament reference, is that tower, where the tower had like two levels. The top levels where shepherds could watch over the sheep to make sure no predators were coming and no sheep was cast down, falling down, couldn't get up and all that. Um, and then the bottom one was where they brought the U, not you, but U, E-W-E, U, this American language, you know. I don't know who came up with that U. E-W-E or, it was not like E-W-E, E-W-E, it's U. Um, they bring the U that's ready to give birth in there to this like birthing chamber and take the sheep and then they wrap it in swaddling clothes and put it there in the manger so that no damage could happen to it. I thought, this is really cool, God, what you do. These guys aren't just like, well, here we go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. We're going to find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. This is going to be easy, right? We're just going to go knocking on doors and look in mangers and look, you know. That's not how it happened. God has a great plan. They knew exactly where to go. And they found the babe, as was told them, after the angel who scared them silly, <laughs> went away. You know what? Sometimes we need to be scared silly. Sometimes that gets our attention. Did, did you ever play like hide-and-seek when you were kids? Did you ever have someone who you weren't playing hide-and-seek, but they decided to scare the snot out of you? We had a dark basement. We had a dark basement where we grew up. Part of it was... Con <laughs> No one understands it. He's like, yeah. We had a dark basement. Sometimes you don't want to go down because sometimes there were rats down there. We had a dirt floor in one place. And, and I remember one day one of the kids, we were six of us, so, you know, there was enough to get in trouble, um, hid in the cellar. And then one of the other kids came down. Boom! Oh, my goodness. You scared me silly. Of course, you know you're going to get back at them later on. You're going to do something. To get, you know how it goes. Um, but I'll tell you what, it gets your attention, doesn't it? If you're somewhere and all of a sudden there's an explosion, it'll get your attention. You're like, what was that? Is that a backfire of a car? Was that a shot going off? What, what? Man, that was like, you're in your house and there's some noise. Like, boom! My wife said, I think during the night a limb must have fallen on the roof. I heard this boom. You know, Sounds like that. They get our attention, don't they? So sometimes God sends his angels to scare us silly, to frighten us. And then we listen. And then we go and do what he tells us to do. You know what? Um, Loretta was talking about a person that she needs to creatively ask God for wisdom, for creative ways to witness to her. And I'm going to tell you, some of the hardest people that you think will never turn to Jesus, they will turn to Jesus, and God will use you, and you, and you. You'll be the one. You'll be the one. There it is. Who's your one? And he'll say, I got your attention. Here's what I want you to do. And you're like, oh, God, you want me to go to that person? 
oh my goodness, they're going to slam the door in my face. They're going to say, get out of here and curse me out and all kind of work. No, no, God, I'm not. No, you do what God tells you. This man, Ed, that led Harold Hill to Christ, he kept talking to this guy. This guy was obnoxious, cutting in his words, an alcoholic. He's a wealthy person, but he's dead and empty inside. And through Ed constantly witnessing him and sharing what Christ had done in Ed's life, share what Christ has done in your life. Tell people, I understand where you're at because I was there once. Here's how Jesus set me free and pulled me out of the muck and mire. He can do that for you. God may use you to be the one that brings that person to faith. Are you with me? Because every one of us here that knows Jesus, somebody witnessed to us. Someone shared Christ with us. And I was thinking, you know, every time you read of someone who dies that's up in age, 80, 90, almost 100, I said to my wife one day, I said, that person, I hope they were ready they could not have possibly gone through life in America and never heard Billy Graham. He's all over the place. Didn't mean they chose him, but they couldn't say they never heard a message. My wife has a book that my sister gave us on the life of Gypsy Rose. Anybody ever heard the name Gypsy Rose Smith? Great evangelist. Got saved when he was 16. No formal training. Didn't go to school. Part of the gypsies. and They're not like some of us think they are when you read this story. And he came to faith in Jesus at 16. He became part of the Salvation Army for about six years, I think. And at age 22, he went out as an evangelist, and God used him all over the world. And when you read his language and how he speaks, you're like, this guy was educated by God. Don't think you have nothing to offer. Well, I don't know this, I don't know that. If you say yes to God, he will use your life. And people will come... They said he preached to millions of people all over the world. A boy who grew up, a mother died when he was young, and his father trying to raise the kids and no education at all, and God stepped in when he said yes to Jesus. Well, I, uh, I like Matthew 2.13. We're bringing this to a close. In Matthew 2.13 uh, to 15, um, I call this the rescue angel. Danger, danger. Get out of town now, angel. And uh, the angel comes to warn them that um, the wicked king is looking for him. And he's going to kill the baby if he finds the baby. And it's time for you to get out of town. Um, find here in a minute. Verses 13 to 15, it's entitled The Escape to Egypt. When they'd gone, when the wise men had left, after they were at the house, the baby was almost, Jesus was almost two years old, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt and stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So they got up and left. Now let me ask you a question. Has God ever reserved your life from danger? Did God ever speak a word in your heart? Maybe it was like, don't take that road tonight. Drive this road. Or he delayed you from getting on a plane. You missed it and the plane crashed. I mean, I read a lot of stories through life. I don't think there's any accidents. Accidents. I don't think it's good luck, bad luck. It's God ordains things. He knows how to watch over his children. You need to understand that because that's a great confidence coming into a new year. God knows where I am. He knows what's happening. He knows my next step would have been maybe on a poisonous snake. Like my sister Colleen. We had a lot of fun in the country. We had snakes and rats. We had... We have copperheads. They're not like black snakes. They're poisonous. They're not aggressive like a rattlesnake, or we've all been bit numbers of times. 
But she came down through the living room, and there's two steps, and you just step down. Now you're in the dining room. There used to be an old log cabin and all that kind of stuff. And she just thought, I should just jump off of that this time. And she did. And she looked back. There was a copperhead lane right there. She would have stepped right down on the snake when it got bit. Now, God knows how to help us. He sends his angels, danger, danger, get out. Maybe in a relationship. If you're in a relationship, you shouldn't be involved in with a friend, someone you're dating, and Jesus is saying to you, the angels will come, danger, danger. I'm speaking to you. You've, you've avoided all the red flags. You say everything's going to be fine and dandy. We've lived long enough as pastors to watch people who avoided, who avoided all things just pursued what they wanted to do. And then later on, you deal with all the consequences of it. Maybe it's a job you shouldn't be at. Maybe it's the highway you shouldn't be traveling on. Maybe someone's out to get you. You don't even know that there's some hitmen out there. God does. He knows how to send his angels to protect you, and they move you out. He shows it right here, the rescue angel. And then, finally, in this story, in verses 19 to 23, the same passage of Scripture, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So they get up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. I call this the coast is clear angel. You can name him anything you want, okay? But that just appealed to me. The coast is clear. Everything's good, okay? Mom and dad left. Now you can go and peek under the tree to see what you might have got for Christmas. Coast is clear. You know, you have one of your family members that's a lookout kid. You know how. Coast is clear. You can get out now. Aren't you glad that God sends his angels to tell us the coast is clear? You can move in this direction. Everything's going to be okay. But there's also times he says, get out. We need to listen to both of them. Time to get out, get away from danger. It's time the coast is clear. Hallelujah. Um, I don't know about where you are in your faith in Jesus, but I know this. If you follow Christ, follow his word, his teachings, you'll be successful until he calls you home. I know the length of my days. I know the length of any of your days. I'm a pretty realistic person. God calls people all ages. I do know the answers are found in his word. And um, I worked on a lot of cars through my years. And I was in my barn the other day getting something. This booklet fell out, and I picked it up. I was like, yeah, I picked it up years ago. It's called Gasket Installation Tips, put up by Felpro Gaskets. And I was reading it again. I'm like, wow, there's so much good stuff in here. Now, if I was taking an engine apart, I wouldn't pick up a carpenter's handy book on how to build a wall. Okay? I wouldn't ask for an electrician's manual on how to wire the house, okay? I wouldn't pick up a comic book. This is going to help me. No, I'm going to pick up something that got sense to it. Because if you've ever taken an engine apart, and I have, it's a lot of work. And when you put it together, you don't want to hear a chug, a chug, a chug, a chug, a chug. You're like, man, I just took the head off that thing, had to take it to the shop, they ground it down, they did the valves and all that kind of stuff. I put it back together, and it's like, I might as well not done it. I just waste, I just might as well throw my money down the sewer, right? You don't want that. Would you want to go to a guy who's a mechanic? He says, I just follow my heart. I did all the work on your car. I followed my heart. Here's the bill. It's $1,000. See ya. You start it up, and you're driving down the road, and you're like, <clears throat> you see smoke popping out. You're some kind of hood, and you're like, that guy followed his heart. What about following the manual? The heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. 
Scripture says, who can know it? You need to follow the heart of God. And the heart of God is revealed right here in the Bible. It's all revealed. And he'll guide you and protect you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart that was in our bulletin. With all your ways acknowledge him, he will guide and direct your paths. Lord Jesus, as I speak, Lord, I speak to myself, not just to these precious people and the ones listening online. Because, Lord, I need you just as much as anyone else. We're not elevated and somewhere special. We're not exempt from all the temptations and trials of life. But, Lord, I know this for a fact that for all these years of accepting you when I was 12 years old, you have helped me all the time. You have forgiven me. You have encouraged me. You have filled me with your spirit. You've given me wisdom and understanding. All the time as I seek your face, when I've done it my way, I've blown it. I'm so thankful your hand reaches out and lifts us out of the mud. Even when we disobeyed wisdom from someone and said, don't go over there. Don't go over there. There's trouble over there. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy. We give you praise today, Lord. And again, we pray for Pastor Brian to be healed and all the others that are on this prayer list here in the church. You know us by name. And Lord, you know what our future holds. And I know this for a fact. No matter how dark the darkness may be in our world, your light shines brighter. And we've been called to be light in the dark world. And you'll use us to bring people into the kingdom. We give you praise for that today. And we pray your blessings without measure on this church. All who serve you, all who are going to come in this year and find you a Savior, Lord. All who are going to be discipled and go out and win others for you, Lord. This is the process. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do through the life of this church. We give you praise in Christ's name. Everyone say Amen. One final thing. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.